Coming up in this episode, Gregory Ash and C.S. Poe are here to talk about their collaboration and their latest book, A Friend in the Fire. Welcome to episode 306 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Jeff Adams, and with me as always is my co-host and husband, and the guy I'm celebrating an anniversary with today, Will Knaus. Happy anniversary. Oh, thank you so much. We happen to be recording this episode on Saturday, May 1st, and that just happens to be the anniversary of when I first asked Jeff out on a date. And it has been wonderful ever since. In other news, we hope that you've enjoyed our recent book club episode featuring Striking Sparks by Aria McKay. Now, since it is the beginning of the month, we have a new book club offering to announce. And I'm very pleased to say that the book that we'll be reading for the month of May is Breaking Bonds by Aria McKay. This happens to be the second book in the Walker Boys series. And as I mentioned in our last book club episode, I really enjoyed these stories when they were first released a couple of years ago. I am so very happy that the authors have had the opportunity to re-release them, meaning that I get to reread them and share that joy with you. I really don't think they got a fair shake the first go around. So I'm very glad to say that we are featuring this series as part of our book club selections. So if you are part of our Patreon community, you can look forward to Jeff and I's deep dive discussion of Breaking Bonds coming your way very, very soon. It's the story of a big deal New York chef who finds himself vacationing at a struggling resort in the mountains of North Carolina, and he soon finds himself trying to help turn things around and falling in love in the process. We certainly enjoyed this sweet story, and we think you will too. The book club episode featuring Breaking Bonds is going to be heading into the main podcast feed on Thursday, May 27th. I am so glad you've had us read these. I didn't get to read them the first time, but I can see why you fell so in love with them. Because now I'm falling in love with the Walker Boys as well. Now, are you ready to hear about hot underwear fever dreams and passive aggressive plotting? What if I said no? I would be very disappointed that you you, you, you yes, didn't want to. Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. <laughs> We've got all that and more for you as I talk to Gregory Ash and C.S. Poe about their Auden and O'Callaghan mystery series. This is the perfect time to be talking to them since the second book, A Friend in the Fire, just released last week. We find out how their collaboration began, how they actually work together, and what's still to come for Sam and Rufus. Greg and Carol, welcome back to the podcast. It is so wonderful to have you here and together. Thanks for having us. I've been wanting to talk to you both for a while now about Auden and O'Callaghan. And it was a perfect opportunity because A Friend in the Fire just came out last week, which is book two. But before we get into all the book two goodness, I actually want to go back and talk about how you two came together and formed your writing partnership. How did that start? Oh, and can we tell the non-embarrassing version? <laughs> oh, I'd much rather have the embarrassing version. Yeah, no, I think that's really the only version. There's no version. Uh, that's the only version, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, so I went to my first GRL was in Albuquerque. And in one of the panels, Carol said something about wanting to co-write but haven't found the right person it was moderated by will oh yeah it oh. was will was the moderator of this panel yeah. and he had asked had any of us co-written before and two of the authors on this three author panel had actually co-written together and then he asked me he said carol i don't think you have but have you and i was like no no i've just never had the right partner and then greg made a scene I didn't make a scene. I raised my hand in the audience. Very enthusiastically. Well, he was 
Yes. Fifth grade in school. Yes. Yes, that is correct. And I zeroed in and I was like, yes. he is very excited. We need to yes. discuss. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I mean, and then there was some chatting at the bar, right? Yep. And we kind of got to feel that the other each, you know, we each got to feel the other wasn't too crazy. And <laughs> then that uh, we kind of um, had the same, the same methods of working. Yeah. yeah. I think the most important part was, do you work linear? Because some authors don't. Yeah. I'm yeah. always amazed by authors who don't work linear in a mystery. Oh, I don't know. I know, I know some who don't yeah. and they write amazing books. But uh, like my brain can't wrap around that. And that was one of the things where like, do you write like every scene as it happens, or do you skip around? And he was like, No, I write every scene as it happens. So I'm like, Yeah, I don't know how. I, I mean, I I can't. People talk about like printing out their chapters and moving them around, like physically moving oh, chapters around no. after they've written the book. I, that gives me like chills and like, yeah. I can't the fact even. That Greg even yeah. like plots like makes me sort of like palpitate a little bit <laughs> how do you plot this much and then he's like well how do you not plot enough and I'm like, we'll find a healthy medium yeah so he's just plot, like doesn't tell me that he plotted and it's great that's what i need yeah passive aggressive plotting i think is what <laughs> yeah. it's called. that's a term i haven't heard before yeah, yeah we might be the only people in history because then i'll be like i don't know what's gonna happen he's like well what about i'm like oh, that's a great idea and then I don't know that, you know, this was like one of many ideas he had to placate me. <laughs> well, listen, don't argue with what works. That's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, are you, are you a plotter, Jeff? I can't remember if we've talked about that before. I am kind of a hybrid these days, but yeah. particularly when I'm doing mystery thriller elements, yeah. I do need that part mostly plotted i mean there's still some discovery that can go on in there but yeah. i kind of need to know point a to point z yeah and the important things in the middle like you know who did what when that might happen when it's discovered that kind of thing i kind of need to know that yeah. subject to moving around but at least have to start with it start with it yeah you're a I you're a pantser for mystery point. carol oh absolutely wow. i have no idea what i'm doing yeah i sit down and like this is a good idea who did it i don't know who are the red herrings? I don't know. Who are the characters? I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that, Jeff, that face. Now that face through the entire time we were writing. Now you understand <laughs> passive-aggressive plotting. <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. Sam and Rufus had to come from somewhere. Did you come uh, together to at least base the characters, or was that more passive-aggressive character development <laughs> as well? I think we just kind of both came up, like, Greg sort of, can I tell the, the hot underwear story? Yeah, you have to, yeah. Okay, so the hot underwear story. <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. It's exactly what it sounds like. So I got, like, it was maybe, I don't know, November, December, like after yeah. GRL. Yeah. And I was, like, knee-deep reading Hazard and Somerset. And he was, like, kind of thinking about maybe writing something together. But we both were, like, we don't want to push it. When we have an idea, we'll have an idea. And I get a text message from him out of the blue. And he's like, hey, so my hot underwear woke me up and I had an idea. And I was like, let's talk about this first before we can get to the idea because I need to understand what this text message even means. And he's like, I wore long johns to bed yeah. and it got hot and, and it woke it got me hot. up. 
and I woke up with an idea. And it was he like a fever had, dream, like a vision. Yeah, <laughs> a fever dream. He had yeah. a fever dream about Sam. Yeah. And another character, but he kind of, you know, that that character was like really vague and sort of just a great outline because he had more emphasis on who would eventually be Sam. And then I liked the Sam, but I didn't really like the other vague outline. So I just kind of hemmed and hawed about that for a while. I was like, no, what if it's just a complete opposite? I see this guy is kind of grumpy. So I'm going to make this other character like really snarky just to like get on his bad side all the time. Yeah. How do we feel about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's it. That sounds it, like passive yeah, aggressive it, character it really development, doesn't it? From a fever dream. Yeah. <laughs> Is this how characters often come for you? Like, because you're wearing underwear <laughs> that gets too hot at night? I wish. Maybe I should go back to sleeping in long johns. Maybe I'd be, <laughs> I'd have more ideas. Oh, man. That was a first. That was a, that was a <laughs> Owen Ash exclusive uh, character development process. Patent pending. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Super dream <laughs> from long underwear. Well, let's not fix it on that part. <laughs> how can you not, though? <laughs> <laughs> Such a thing to hold on to, right? Okay, I do really like long underwear. I'm just going to say that. And that's, that's all I have to say on that point. But it's really comfy. Okay, I was living in Key West at the time. So I was definitely not wearing long yeah. johns. Yeah. So I did not have a fever dream about Rufus. But I just wonder you... about a redhead. And redheads, just by default, are going to be snarky little assholes. <laughs> so like, well, there we go. <laughs> Now, Sam and Rufus, and you touched on this a little bit because, you know, Sam's grumpy and Rufus is going to be snarky and get under his skin. They're very, very different characters. And yet in some ways, they're very similar, too, because they have a lot of baggage, for one thing. They Mm -hmm. both have certain tics, I would say, that help them get through the day. Their first meeting in A Friend of the Dark, I have to say, <laughs> and the early interactions was ridiculously fun to read. It was like a very uncute meet cute. <laughs> <laughs> How did you build the, the, their first meeting into what that would become? Carol kind of touched on this because there's only passive aggressive plotting happening. Like that was, it really did just kind of come out of the moment, right? I mean, we, we just kind of, fed off each other's dialogues (laughs) we'd written a few scenes of Mm -hmm. each character independently to try to get a feel for them Mm -hmm. so we kind of started to get you know a sense of how how they might interact but yeah it was really kind of one of those things that was just it just we were vibing yeah yeah it was it really just flowed when it happened yeah it's great because Greg's really good at writing like really grumpy characters, as we know from Emery Hazard. <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, how would my characters, which I think more often than not are really dry, sarcastic characters, mm-hmm. deal with meeting a character like Hazard? And that's sort of like how I approached Rufus with Sam. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was like a combination of Sebastian Snow meets Emery Hazard. Which which they kind of did one time. Almost. Almost. Yeah. Almost. yeah. That's another story though. Yeah. But uh, you know I'm gonna have to pull on that thread later to know yeah, what that yeah. means. Well, that's just like a little fun. Yeah, but we can talk about that for sure. Yeah, I think uh, that scene like really most of the especially a friend in the dark, there was a lot of it just flowed and it just worked mm-hmm. I, I mean is that kind of was that your experience carol 
yeah no that that book just was like we started it and we're like oh we're done now yeah it worked that one went really smoothly yeah interesting that it went so quickly for as intricate as it is too and i think that was one of those things where i think more in in that first book didn't we do kind of a lot of stepping back and kind of tweaking as we went carol just like in terms of like deciding what we wanted to have happen and yeah the second book was required a lot more sort of revisions but that was more revisions to a really sort of more next step complexity in the plot and i feel like the first book was more revisions based on how we wanted to mold the characters yeah the, the first book, I think, was a little bit more heavy on how much we want to emphasize who they were, how they interacted, the world around them. And then the second book was, we had way more revisions, but it wasn't Sam and Rufus so much as the mystery, especially since I wrote chapter one and had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, is that your, what is your process? I mean, Jeff, do you come back to things? And do a, a big, heavy rewrite? Or what is your revision? Is, is that a big part of the process for you? It depends on how well the first draft turned out. Well, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's fair. I mean, so you, the, you draft, though, Jeff? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do everything I can to just throw it on the page and, yeah. and have the story. Yeah. I Hopefully, don't, I don't do that either. So I also can, like, barely wrap my head around drafting. <laughs> oh. Interesting. We're learning a lot about Carol here. <laughs> I have to get that from beginning to end. <laughs> I have to get it all out of the page and then start to see does it hold together? Did everything make sense mm -hmm. from the plot that I had or any turns that I took? That I mean, one little idea you had, did you remember to put it down and So, you don't draft, Carol. How does that work? I stare at the wall a lot. And I write the sentence in my head and then I write the next few sentences in my head and decide whether or not that sentence made sense. And if it makes sense for like a paragraph, then I put it down or it made sense when I did it. And then a few days later, I realized it was terrible and I delete the whole thing, start over again, which is my current predicament. So <laughs> interesting. So it sounds if I'm thinking about this, right, you do a lot of the drafting in your head in, in my head. Yeah. And so yeah, it's second it's draft that comes out on the page. There is a draft. It's just all mental. I couldn't keep mine in my head that long. Oh. <laughs> end up going somewhere I think else. my fingers are just lazy and they like they want to <laughs> typing unless it's like going to be the end result. And they're like, nah, I wasn't feeling it. <laughs> the thing I find curious about the series as I was getting into to, to Friend in the Dark was you've got two characters who've come together here. They are not investigators. They're not police. They're not, you know, anything associated with that. And But they've become the primary ones working to solve the mystery of why their friend was murdered, even though the police say it was suicide. That had to be fascinating i would think to build because you've both built mysteries with investigators and police mm -hmm. and you're stripping away all of the stuff that those characters would have to handle the problem and throwing it into essentially lay people yeah, yeah. is that as fun as it sounds or did that make it more difficult <laughs> both <clears throat> it was difficult in a fun challenging way for me anyway 
I mean, I think, didn't we kind of talk about that, Carol, when we were trying to think about Rufus as a police informant? Like, that was one of the yeah, things that he, was an advantage to putting him in that role was it kind of... The original him. idea is that he was going to be auxiliary police, which is, yeah. like, not a full-fledged police officer in the city, but, like, they're, like, sort of, like, supplemental aid, almost. Right. But then... I didn't really want to do that. And then I can't even remember who had the idea of confidential informant, but it was like just enough of a connection to law mm -hmm. enforcement that the, the, the tools are there if he can beg for it in the right way, mm -hmm. but just removed enough that it left us with two sort of unique amateur sleuths. Yeah. And the amateurs, I mean, like, <clears throat> like, you, I mean, kind of, as you were saying, Jeff, it is, it is tricky to come up with the reason why not only they would or, but why they should investigate, because I think for it to be satisfying, you have to answer, at least in the first, if it's a series, you have to answer those in the first one pretty clearly, because otherwise, <laughs> like the, a reader, I, I as a reader would say, well, why don't the police, you know, like, why are the police yeah. doing like this? So why do we, I care? <laughs> yeah, we. I think, you know, and not to get too deep into the plot of Dark, but those, I think that influenced some of our plot decisions as well, you know, to, considering who, who had died and why the death was not being investigated like thoroughly or appropriately or something like that so yeah and how how that his connection was emotionally relatable to both of those characters and yeah. then to make everyone in this chain of events care mm -hmm. from beginning to end and from we've had we've talked a little bit about your writing process how was day-to-day -day writing mm -hmm. on this project for both of you in terms of who was responsible for what and then how did it end up passing between the both of you so we wrote it together literally at the same time it wasn't wow. like one chapter back and forth so we got on google docs for two hours a day whenever greg's schedule had like an opening because he works more than me. So I was a bit more like most of it over winter break. I feel like we did, we did most, most of, of it over break. Over yeah. Break. Yeah. And he always wrote Sam and I always wrote Rufus. We shared all the other characters and we literally like, if I wrote a sentence, then he wrote a sentence that I wrote a paragraph and he might write a paragraph. And the only thing that we made sure we switched on was every other chapter is whose POV it was. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, we we literally were like riffing off each other. Well, you and you, I know you've co-written at least one, Jeff, right? or more. Is it just 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 the one with Will? Yeah. What was that experience? Was that similar? What did you guys do? We plotted together. Oh no, you're already that's already wrong. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And then yeah. I went away and first drafted the whole thing. Oh wow. Okay. And I mean, occasionally I'd be like, I'm about to write this. Yeah. You know, coming a tangent off of what we'd already you know, planned, but then he went through into the second draft and then he revised, rewrote, tweaked as he seen fit. And then we came back together in the next version to make sure it all sounded, you know, like yeah. one person perhaps yeah. wrote it. Yeah. No, I think that <laughs> you know, make sure everything was consistent. We, we talked about that because I do think a lot of co-authors do it the way you just described so that it does sound consistent. Cause sometimes you yeah. do, I think you do get those, co-written pieces where it's just, you know, really up and down and you can tell things were cobbled together. I hope that wasn't what dark read like to people, but we, at least by keeping it chapter to chapter and having both of us involved through the whole process, I hope we have made that. a whole new author. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I've, it did. Yeah. I've, I've talked to authors who have actually do what you do. Mm -hmm. 
sitting in the dock at the same time and mm -hmm. doing it together. I've talked to others who they each have their POV character and they'll write those POV chapters, mm -hmm. you know, first draft, and then they'll come together to like make them, you know, become that cohesiveness in a future yeah. draft. The strangest one that I've encountered is where first person would come in and write, 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 write till they were you know, done writing for the day, mm -hmm. whatever that meant. Mm -hmm. And then, and it could be mid chapter and then give the doc oh. over. And then the next person would pick up, read what yeah. had happened and go, okay, here I go. And just keep going. <laughs> well, I think that's how, uh, I think that's how Neil Gaiman and, uh, Terry Pratchett wrote Good Omens. I think that's how they were like, they, but they were mailing a disc, they were couriering a disc, yeah. floppy disc back and forth because it was- Back in the day. <laughs> it was back in the day. And I, when I read, and then like, cause they were on totally different sleep schedules. Cause I guess one of them like got up real late and like one of them get up in the afternoon and be like, well, what do you write this morning? And so apparently that is, that works for some people. It, gives it works, I guess. Luckily sweat. we're on the <laughs> schedule, so. Yeah. yeah, that's true, yeah. And it'll be interesting if either of you co-write again with somebody else, how mm -hmm. that might change what you've done. Mm -hmm. You Good know, Lord, what you've done know here. I, and, I don't know, there's so much pressure. Like I would never, I've never written a single line of dialogue for Sam. Yeah, I don't think I want true. to. Like I, I'm not <laughs> in his head enough to, I can like anticipate reactions or actions but dialogue yeah i've never written for him yeah i think we did stay pretty clear we tried not to step on each other's toes with that it did is, you yeah. ever throw each other for a complete loop yeah. like i can't believe you just put it on the page what am i supposed yeah. to do with that yes i can't think <laughs> the of chat any examples, sometimes yeah. for like yeah i think so yeah like carol was saying like on the side there's a chat box that you can have running and it's Unfortunate that they don't let you save that because I know because there's the a good, lot of the times you know, <laughs> yeah we, but yes I know that happened I know that throwing we there were things that neither you know the other one wouldn't expect that felt right in the moment so one of us would write it I just am having a hard time thinking of an example I think most of it was just like probably one line dialogues you're like oh that was good that was yeah. smart yeah. <laughs> I think we usually knew the general way the story was moving. So, so maybe yeah. the specifics might have been occasionally surprising, but it was never like, you know, someone got killed that I didn't know was about to get killed, you know, or something like that. That might have been a little harder to adjust. That's unexpected. <laughs> you talk about the the snark and then the very different behavior of of Sam. And Garrett Kiesel really did an amazing job, like nailing their personalities. Yeah. Yeah, uh, for the audiobook too, because it's just it's very stark when you hear them talk. Yeah, it was hard to find. We listened to a lot of auditions. Well, Carol listened to a lot of auditions and spared me from well, a lot, and I listened to some, like probably fifth right? plus. Yeah, what we we went through, and then I yeah. kind of like narrowed it down to like. 20 and was like these are the ones i you know like having to get rid of the ones that were like robotic voices that yeah. someone had put through a software program where i'm like well you're not even a real person <laughs> and then you know having to really listen because a lot of them got rufus really well but we were yeah. really concerned about sam's character and there were just so few that got how his deliveries were yeah. And we had narrowed it down to like 20 and then the top five and Garrett kept coming out in like the top two. And yeah. we're like, fuck it, let's go with Garrett. This guy yeah. clearly knows how to do Sam. And if I have any note about Rufus, I know that he can tweak it because he sounds great. Mm -hmm. But it was Sam that was the hard one to nail and Garrett totally got it. 
apparently and I can understand people, that because Sam is yeah. so nuanced between the anxiety on things that he carries, but he's also got this tremendous heart lurking in there too. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why, but apparently people think a deep voice means like a really deep voice. Like it was like, wasn't that the problem that we kept running into with that? It was like- Yeah, there's some guys were just like- Some of them were like caricatures. I was like, I don't think, you know that normal people don't, (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, I know. Bring it up a little bit. Come on. Yeah. Testosterone. <laughs> but yeah, because we wanted that nuance. We didn't want just yeah. the, well, for either character, right? You don't want them to be just these one note characters. But yeah, with Sam, that was definitely one thing I wanted was what you described, that that nuance. So tell us a little bit about Friend in the Fire and what has brought Sam and Rufus back together a second time. Ooh, Carol? No, you can say. <laughs> well, this is, so because we've been writing and kind of been responsible for these different characters, this book, in some ways, was a little bit more Carol's baby in some ways because it's Rufus's, it's more about Rufus's character arc. Is that right? Is that fair, Carol? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we kind of planned it that way, that the first yeah. and fourth were like bookends, <clears throat> and the two in the middle are yeah. character arcs, individual arcs, and this one is Rufus, so it's yeah. a little more heavy on him. So it starts off with, kind of like the first book, Rufus getting... A message summoning him to uh, a meeting and of course, things go bad as you can guess <laughs> and so things go bad he ends up calling Sam for help and Sam is in a fly spec town in Missouri called Wareda that he has been hitchhiking through and so he takes the call and decides to uh, head back to Manhattan and see if he can help Rufus and they kind of get it's it is a serial killer from the past story. I mean, not mm-hmm. say much, do you want to say more than that, Carol? I don't. I don't. Probably not much more than that. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, they're they're initially they're trying to figure out who came after Rufus, but then they find these connections to the past and a serial killer who kind of went dormant and might be active again. So that's kind of the. And, um, whole lot of rufus baggage oh yeah, yeah. that pandora box just opens and it all comes out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if sam's been hanging out in Warreda, do we get to did he happen to run into anybody we know yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah there's a little sightseeing <laughs> yeah well we tried to like I, I asked carol if it was okay before i did that because i was like i don't want to annoy people if that's annoying. and i said um, of course it's okay <laughs> <laughs> so it's really just one scene he's in a bar he's in the pretty pretty right in the gay club the one gay club in this little town and he sees characters who i think you can infer are hazard and summers you know just out having a good time and then he also runs into one of Hazard's exes, Nico, and this bartender. And, you know, Sam, because he's Sam, does manage to hook up <laughs> before he leaves town. So <laughs> it was just a fun little cameo to say, you know, like, you know. This giant universe is yeah. very interconnected. And, we like- and I, I snuck a little bit of my stuff in there, too, which is yeah. a little more subtle. But yeah, we're hoping That's that awesome. they'll make- we talked about some of Carol's characters making an appearance in book three. So hopefully, you know, even if it's just one, an unnamed cameo, like, you know, but we'll see. Yeah. It's fun. I, I enjoy doing that. I don't know if anyone else does, but have I you love anything like that? Carol, uh, like, didn't you tell me you've done it with, even with other authors? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, that's some of the real fun stuff when you could start crossing with other yeah. authors and just like loaning a character over here and putting a character over there and then yeah. coming back in. But just a vague mention and dialogue and readers are like, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fun. And the fact that Sam hooks up with Nico, I think is totally appropriate. <laughs> oh yeah, he will. Yeah, he Sam, well at that point in his life, Sam will hook up with just about anything that moves and there's certainly yeah. some yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rufus, you know, he's got some passive aggressive remarks about that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure because yeah. there were passive aggressive oh. remarks and looks in book 1 too. <laughs> So. Yep. <laughs> and some not so passive aggressive ones as well. So some of those like, so you've been seeing anyone comment? Because he he knows, well, duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see how book three is like Carol was kind of suggesting. Book three will be a little bit more about Sam, and so we'll get a dive into and maybe even leave Manhattan. We've talked about possibly, you mm-hmm. know, probably not for the whole book, but maybe they'll take a little jaunt somewhere and yeah. Get Rufus out of town, really struck out. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And then there's a book four, too, it sounded like as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. And that'll be kind of back to the focus equally shared in in that fourth. Mm -hmm. What was it like for for both of you to come back to this series and the writing partnership after working on your own individual projects between books? We didn't have that because we actually wrote quite a while ago we actually wrote it almost a year ago now well we wrote nine quite ago. a while ago yeah yeah so there were probably six months between writing dark and writing fire which isn't terrible i mean you know i mean it, but it's a time we, but not that much when we go back to the next one that'll have been a much longer chunk you know yeah. i mean the thing that is oddly reassuring kind of eases my crippling anxiety is having someone else there because if you're just you know, if, if I say I am totally stuck, you know, Carol will help me come up with something and and vice versa. I, there's no one to help me do that most of the time. So it's nice. Yeah. And, I mean, like there is, you know, probably half the stress that I would feel about a normal project because I just can get on there and, you know. Yeah, there's I, there's not like a fear of telling one another, like, I honestly, I don't know yeah. what to do. Do you have any? thoughts about this scene or about this character or about this arc or whatever we're doing. And I think that's also definitely an important part of the partnership is that I, as also an, an anxious, crippled author working alone, that I can tell him, I have no idea, please help me. And yeah. he will not, you know, make me feel bad about it. <laughs> no, because most of the time it's me saying that. <laughs> I can't. This is... As we mentioned, first time co-writing for you both. Mm-hmm. Was there trepidation about moving down that path at all? No, I didn't. I didn't have any of that or feel that. I mean, and part of it's just because I think until you've done a project, you know, and you can probably speak to this as well, Jeff, but like until you've done a project like that, it's hard to know, I mean, what the, could go wrong. <laughs> there are things. Anything but is possible. Anything but... is possible, right? Yeah. I think it also I, helps, though, that like we're, we're friends yeah off the page so to speak yeah and we like each other's books I mean that was a big deal like I wouldn't have done my fifth grader needs to go to the bathroom routine if I hadn't you know liked Carol's writing and so yeah and I wouldn't send him daily text messages about all the ways that he emotionally is is hurting me (laughs) I 
I feel like most of like my text message, like Verizon would be like, wow, you sent a lot of texts to him. And it's just a whole bunch of like crying emojis. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh goodness. My what do you both like most about co-writing? Definitely the having someone else with you there. The riffing oh. off dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Just the back and forth. I really enjoy because I love I love dialogue heavy stuff. So and sometimes Greg will just pull a one liner out of nowhere. That's just like it's so almost monotone and serious in the way that Sam or another character might deliver it. But it's so ridiculous. Like it's it's delivered with such sincerity, but it's, <laughs> it's like a laugh out loud line where I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to like just type something back to this. <laughs> so good. And yeah. he's really great at dialogue. So I just love any oh, scene you. where re- characters really get going back and forth. And it's just like a little cat fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, that I was going to say something similar, I think, in the sense that there's well, the line that I said in the middle of writing the first one where Carol, I think, told me was the nerdiest thing she'd ever heard, maybe. Is that what you told me? I said something like... Not the nerdiest, but like I, I understood it. <laughs> I do believe the word nerdiest was in your response. I think that... One of the nerdiest. Something like, I said something like, it's like playing Dungeons and Dragons. Isn't that what I said? Something like that? You said that? something akin to this is like professional D&D playing. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I understand that. <laughs> yeah. I also have played tabletop RPGs, but also it was a very nerdy thing yeah, to say. Yeah, it was extremely nerdy. So like... <laughs> There is, I mean, but the fun, you know, there is that fun that like the pleasure of creating a shared world, right? That I think yeah. a lot of people can connect with. And then it's also just, it's, you know, great as a writer to work with someone whose work you respect and see how they do things and how it's different from how I do things. And that's a great learning opportunity. So, you know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of craft and then just professionalization things that I have learned from Carol for working with this. And so, you know, that's been like a huge privilege. That's awesome. Yeah. And like keeping up with Greg, honestly, I can't even imagine. I told him this before and I don't know if he like thought it was a joke or something, but like in all sincerity though, like sometimes where I'm having a really rough day with writing and I just feel like I'm never going to get this book done because I'm like, dragging out 200 words in four hours and i'm just like you know what you wrote with greg and he's a powerhouse you can do this he's gonna text you and ask you how writing went today what are you gonna say you wrote nothing and it's almost (laughs) like an aggressive way to like push myself forward so like i really did enjoy even though he is just unstoppable i don't actually (laughs) think he sleeps but it's been really fun keeping up with him because it it's sort of like when I feel like I'm falling into a rut, I'm like, no, because I got to do this with Greg. And then I like, I get like almost a second win to keep going. Well, thank you. (laughs) I've often wondered if he has a clone. I just don't actually think he sleeps. That would be a way to to solve it also. I slept this week. I slept so so many nights this week. I slept this week. It was the best week of my year. Yeah, it was great. I slept so much. (laughs) People should know, as you say that, that we're recording this as you're finishing spring break week. That's right. You have been on vacation this week. That's right. (laughs) After this, it's back to the no sleep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and I will say, I know everyone's process is different. And that is one of the things that I think is different for Carol and me. And that is one of the things that has been a good learning opportunity for me. I mean, and so, you know, 
anyway, that's all I have to, I, that's all I want to say about that. But it really is, that is one of the huge perks of working with somebody else, especially someone who you admire. So, yeah. It's a really nice way of saying, sometimes he has to ask me in the chat thread, are you thinking or did you fall asleep? I did think you? of that. Because sometimes. Yeah, when she was telling you about really composing in her I'm head not doing and like anything. the draft in her head, I was like, yeah. And then sometimes I'll say, am I supposed to be doing something? Because sometimes I'm worried that I'm the one who's not doing something. And I'm like, no, no, you're fine. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I know what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything that you, I can't even imagine you've got anything for this, but maybe anything about co-writing that you liked the least or was like, ugh, I wish I could fix this thing. Cause it sounds like this was a match made in heaven really for the most part. <laughs> I just think that I think maybe editing is more tedious just because we're so interwoven. It's not like every odd chapter is Greg and I don't have to look at it because it's all his. It's all us all the time. So sometimes I'm like, I go to tweak because I I tweak things until the zero hour. I'm like, if I can tell this sentence in five words instead of seven, I'll get rid of two. And then I have to remember who the frick wrote this character because <laughs> sometimes it's hard to tell we like blended a lot of the side characters really well and i'm like did i do it did he do it so i just won't touch him because i don't know and i don't want to step on toes either so i just know i can tweak rufus that's fine yeah so sometimes the editing's hard just because i can't remember who did what <laughs> like we both had to be willing to be flexible about how we do things and you know it's not just one person's story and there's never I don't think that's ever become a point of contention but it is something that I think we both had to be aware of and just say um, yeah and how how what do you want the next time there's just you know and I don't know like one of the things that's lovely about writing a book if you're a control freak is it's your (laughs) like you get to do everything (laughs) right like it's your piece of art that you made from beginning to end and so you know that is one of the things that you give up now kind of, as I said, I think there's a lot of trade-offs, but yeah, that's, you know, and we've both been pretty flexible, I think. So, yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pull on this thing that you mentioned earlier, cause I have to know about it. Oh yeah. How did Hazard and Sebastian Snow get oh, mixed man, up together? Messed, okay. So I messed up cause I was so excited when we brought it up. I meant North and Shaw and Sebastian and Calvin. Cause I wrote this, my book that came out in March is called Indirection and it's about a GRL type convention. That oh, it's so good. North and Shaw go to, and they have to solve a murder at this gay romance literature convention. It's oh my God. so good. It's so good. <laughs> and so it's one of the fun things. Ha- over the top and amazing. <laughs> well, it's over the top. That's for sure. I don't know about the rest of it, but it's definitely over the top. It's amazing. So they, so Sebastian, who is a kind of secret lover of romance literature in Carol's books, does make a quick cameo it's after the murder has occurred and when calvin hears that someone has died he makes sebastian leave he won't let him stay for the for the convention he says they have to go look at some antique shops isn't that what he, something like yeah what yeah let's go like look at antique shops or museums or something yeah. and i i did write a, a companion piece to that in interlude which is a snow and winter short story collection there's a, a short story in it called st louis what now and it's about Sebastian learning about this convention called Queer Expectations and like having to work up the nerve to admit to Calvin, yes, I like romance books and I want to go to America's Breadbasket to go <laughs> to this event. And it's this whole 20 page short story working up to this. And then 
if you read Greg's book, you see they get there and they don't get to stay because yeah. there's been a murder. <laughs> yeah, Calvin's not going to let him get involved in another... <laughs> But maybe you know, so many time. things have happened over the years at GRL. So far, never a murder, though. Unbelievable, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, is GR- the, when I was reading an early copy of it, I was like highlighting, like, this is believable, this is believable, this is believable. <laughs> <laughs> I had half of the book highlighted. I'm like, no, Greg, keep all of this because oh, I literally feel like I've experienced most of it firsthand. <laughs> it, was, it, is a, it is a love song to... It's not a sober love song. <laughs> it is not a sober love song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta go pick up that book. I'm so behind on all all of your books, Greg. Recently, oh god, just... no, like, that one last, sounds like, like a hoot. Three months it was fun to up. write. It was it was fun. That's all I can say. And it was <laughs> it's silly, but that's a series that Eat can no worth and shock. Yeah, that's a series that they're supposed to be silly, so it's okay. They can. Yeah, and I could just imagine them in a GRL setting too. Although it would be oh. very interested to put Im- oh. Hazard and Somerset in a GRL <laughs> setting too, because Emery would not know what to do with that. Yeah, that would really be. Hazard would set it on fire in about eight point seven. Seconds. I was gonna say there would be a murder again, but I don't think yeah. Hazard would be solving it. <laughs> no. Yeah. So what's coming up next for both of you outside of Odin and O'Callaghan? Well. That's a good question. At the time of this recording, Interlude is out on April 8th, which is a novella-length collection of short stories for Snow and Winter. And I'm working on the first book in a new mystery series that is the Memento Mori series. Book one is called Madison Square Murders, and it incorporates one of my favorite subjects ever, and that is Victorian-American morning rituals except it's going to be contemporary murders in new york city so sounds awesome wait for the twist on that one yeah yeah i'm excited for that because carol has sent me some like screenshots of her research books and like books bound in human skin um, oh this stuff that I all found. sorts of creepy crazy yeah i mean it's awesome it's gonna be great and so about middle of may may 14th the next Borealis book will be coming out. It's called Misdirection. And that is the follow-up to the one we were just kind of talking about where they were at a romance convention. This is the next book. They are kind of hired, kind of threatened into helping get a senator's son tested regularly for drugs. But when they go to pick him up, he is missing and there's you know signs of a break-in and struggle. So then they have to figure out where he went and what, well, what happened to him, maybe. Yeah. So Anyway, so it's fun. Those are those are my Borealis books, and that's May 14th. Because North and Shaw can never get a job that they want. No. It wouldn't seem that way, right? <laughs> so we love to get book recommendations on this show. So what's a book that each of you have read recently that you would recommend to our audience? Okay, so I can give two. Okay. One of them, one of the research books that I've I recently bought is oh gosh, I can't remember the title now, but it's by it's organized by Thanatos Archive. And it is a collection of Victorian post-mortem photography, which if you're not aware is in the Victorian era, a lot of times the only time people could afford to have a photograph of their family is if a member had passed away because it was still an expensive process up through the Civil War. So there was such a high mortality rate that especially among children, that sometimes the only photograph you had of your babies or your toddlers was unfortunately when they passed. So it's a huge collection of this 
photography and all of the history behind it, which was like absolutely worth every penny. Donato's archive is this amazing group of like sort of, I don't want to call them armchair historians, but it's just like this, this sort of ragtag group of people who are just so smart and so dedicated to this exact subject matter. And it's amazing. It's a really high quality book. I picked it up from the museum in Philadelphia that is a uh, physician's and medical museum. It's awesome. And the other book that's fiction is Wayward, which is in the Union of Swords. <laughs> Thanks. Second arc for Hazard and Somerset. I this is it. I got Wayward, Keeper of Bees, and then the short story collection. I'm officially all caught up on Greg's Battles, <laughs> but I'm at the cool, you know, 50% part of this book where I just sort of want to emotionally die because I can't <laughs> handle it. So I'm like having to like fight tooth and nail for every page. <laughs> like these I just can't, but I will, Fair but girl. I just can't. So oh, that's what God. I'm reading. Yeah, I'm so jealous that you're caught up on the backlist. Oh my oh, god! I spent all of January, February, and March just like Carol diving. Like literally every week, he was getting a, a text message with, "Okay, now I read this book. Screw you. I mean, I loved it, but screw you." <laughs> and then this book was amazing, beautiful, perfect. Screw you. Next book. <laughs> oh, thank you. That is very nice. So I got two, Two more screw yous in me, and then I'll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, thank you. Let's see the one. So, Jeff, have you read Josh Langman's Cozies, the Skull, uh, Scrabble, and uh, Secrets and Scrabble? Secrets and Scrabble. Have you read those? I have not. They okay. Those books sit on my TBR. Yeah, <laughs> like no, so many okay. things. I, I asked because the third one just came out, and I just read them, and I wanted to recommend them because they are so fun and just really comforting low you know low angst and you can read them in like two hours you know i mean they're they're real readable and short and just like this incredible treat and way to spend some time i was talking telling carol how much fun they were the other day so yeah i don't know i don't have a cool victorian death book or anything to recommend (laughs) but yeah i think you're the first one to recommend a victorian death book (laughs) it's gonna pay off i i've heard a lot about this Madison Square Murders, and I'm excited for it. It's it's gonna be great. So, but you no real. We don't have a pre-order up for that yet, right? You don't have a pre-order for no. Okay, I have to get past chapter one first. For Carol, <laughs> 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 I've written it like five times, Jeff. Okay, I just keep throwing it oh, wow. away. <laughs> okay, but there's no no drafts. Don't worry. No drafts. No drafts. <laughs> Oh my goodness. How can people keep up with you both online so they know when all this new stuff is coming out? I'm not very good at that. Yeah. I mean, website, and then there's links to Facebook, Twitter, email, Instagram, all that good stuff. Greg has that too, but I do. Yeah. Like, so yeah. He checks the list. Probably Facebook. I mean, that's probably the best. I do have a website that I keep updated with my releases, and, but yeah. And you've got your newsletter. I get the newsletter and it's yeah, like, oh, another book is out. It. Damn, I'm further behind. <laughs> <laughs> I do give away a free short story with every new release. So that is yeah. good. Yeah, that's a place you can keep good incentives. Yeah, they're kind of, they're just like fun little, you know, just fun little things. So, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Greg and Carol, this has been so much fun. 
I can't wait to get into Friend in the Fire to see what happens with Sam and Rufus next. And to know that there's two more books in this series beyond that is very exciting. So yeah, thank you for telling us all about it and your process. Uh, thanks for having thank us. Thank you. This episode's transcript has been brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the conversation for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And don't forget, the show notes page also has links to everything that we talked about in this episode. The show notes will also call out links to books that we talked about that have audio versions available from Libro.fm. Libro.fm is a great way to get audiobooks because when you buy one, you're actually supporting a local bookstore of your choice. Plus, listeners of the Big Gay Fiction podcast can get a two-month audiobook membership for the price of one. You can get all the details for that at biggayfictionpodcast.com slash librofm. That's L-I-B-R-O-F-M. And thanks to Greg and Carol so much for joining us. As you could hear, it was a super fun interview talking to them. I really loved hearing about how they do their work, especially working in the document at the same time, truly writing together. It kind of blew my mind but it, it obviously works so well for them. And boy, I'm looking forward to digging into A Friend in the Fire too. Plus, knowing that Shaw and North and even briefly Sebastian Snow ended up at a GRL-type convention in Greg's book, In Direction. Oh man, that's something I really have to get into my TBR sooner rather than later because that sounds really exciting. All right, I think that'll do it for now. Coming up on Thursday in episode 307, we have our spring preview available for you. We're going to be talking about all of the books that we're looking forward to and what we've been reading lately. Yes, I'll have reviews of books that I've read from Layla Rain and Anna Zabo. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Our original theme music is composed by Daryl Banner. 